0: So last week, Ethan pulled out of the hat his own selection. <laughs> there is several debates over conspiracy uh, throughout the week. And, um, but ultimately what we landed on was when Ethan pulled out of the hat genealogy, it's pretty well determined his purpose for writing that down was to see how many names I could trip up over as I read a very long list of biblical names. Hate to disappoint you, Ethan, but I will not be reading the entire list this morning. I know, a collective groan from everyone who really wanted to sit through all those names. That's just it, though, isn't it? I mean, we crack open our Bibles. We know this is the true, inspired, living word of God. And we get so excited. And maybe you can think back to when you were younger in the faith and you were just on fire for God and go, you know, I heard a lot of good stuff is in here, but especially uh, I'm curious about the New Testament. So you're flipping through. Say, I wonder how it's going to start. It's all about Jesus. So uh, you start to imagine, right, how the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament would begin. And you start to think about it. It would be God was silent for 400 years. And then, ba-ba-ba, Jesus Christ was born. Miracles, intrigue, betrayal, it's all here. The story of a man, nay, not just any man, but a God who changed everything. So you finally find your spine. and go, let's go, here we are. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Okay. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amminadab. Amminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon? Salmon? And you go, what in the world? and you just and then you flip the page and you go it just keeps going and this is how the new testament begins do you remember if you've been journeying with us 3 weeks ago when we looked at the beatitudes and we talked about how Jesus began the most famous message of all time in a deeply compelling way Matthew That's found in Matthew. Matthew wrote that. Matthew walked with Jesus. He knew about compelling beginnings, and then we read the beginning of his book, and this is how it begins. And at least to us, it doesn't seem all that exciting at first glance, does it? Except, hey, it's the true, living, active word of God. And while seeming boring on the surface— Beginning with the genealogy of Jesus was completely appropriate and even engaging, especially to his first audience, but also to us. And this is why. We're going to talk about that today. Why is this so exciting? Why is this important? Why and what can we learn from this? Now, if you ever read your Bible, you know that this is not the first genealogy. In fact, the Old Testament is littered with genealogies. There's a lot of them, and they always communicate multiple layers to the reader. Genealogy itself is actually a pretty interesting word. It's Greek for Genesis. How about that? Genesis, which we know means beginning, origin, birth, Genesis, genealogy, which implies this is a book of beginnings. So what we're already finding is just like the Bible begins with Genesis, a beginning, Matthew 1 also begins with Genesis, genealogy, a beginning. The beginning of the arrival of Jesus the Messiah coming to earth. Now we also know it's not Jesus's beginning because he was with God in the beginning, right? Uh, Thank you, John 1. He has always been because God has always been and Jesus is one part of the triune God, but it is the beginning of Jesus putting on human flesh. And so the genealogy of Matthew directly connects us to the very beginning of our guide for life. What else do genealogies do? Now, if any of you have taken up the hobby, I know my, my mom has done a lot of research into our family tree, which is really fascinating who you learn you're connected to and all these cool names and different paths through life, right? They trace our family trees, but also in the Bible, they help us follow priestly and royal lines throughout Israel's history. Now, if you had a hard time getting through Matthew 1, I implore you to check out 1 Chronicles. The first nine chapters are genealogy. (laughs) All right, it's called Chronicles because it exists to give us this history, but It's rich. You see, genealogies, they play an important role, a really important role, as part of God's true and transforming written word. Biblical genealogies ground us in God's true story. They reveal the connectedness of his plan. It shows the good, the bad, and the ugly of humanity while displaying God's redemptive work over many, 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 many generations. And this genealogy is no different. In fact, it is of incredible importance. See, Matthew tells us from the get-go what is so important about this particular genealogy. The very first verse says this is the genealogy of who? Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let's talk about first what it means to be the son of Abraham. Connected to this. Think about it. Well, what, how's that song go? Who knows the song? Yeah. There it is. Uh-huh. Get, get those motions going. There you go. All right. <laughs> father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. You see, by claiming and by showing us that Jesus is from the line of Abraham, it connects Jesus to the father of the people of Israel. Now this is really important because Matthew's first audience were Jewish individuals, Jewish Christians, and he's trying to give them like, look, this is Jesus Christ, your Savior. This is his story. This is who he is. And it shows that Jesus is the one that was long promised to them. But it also points to the fact that he is not just promised for the Jews, but for all people. It was through Abraham and his people that God promised to bless all of humanity. We remember this from Genesis 12, when the Lord had said to Abram, that was Abraham before God called him Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And the key one for us this morning, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God blesses all people through Abraham by way of Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. And so at the very beginning of this account, we see Jesus is linked to Abraham. And Matthew is validating both Jew- Jesus's Jewish lineage to his original audience while also bringing the reader's attention back to the promise of God's rescue plan for the entire world. Which connects us to the second key figure of Jesus's lineage mentioned in one. It says the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David. Now, Did you notice that Abraham was born before, well before David, and yet son of David is mentioned before son of Abraham? That's because Jesus being a descendant of David, this is a major focus of Matthew's entire gospel. In fact, he uses the term son of David 10 times. That's a lot of times to describe the Savior when you have so many other descriptors to describe him with. And each time he uses that phrase, it draws the reader back to the fact that Jesus is royalty. He belongs to the royal line of King David. So Abraham displays that Jesus belongs to the people of Israel, and David shows that Jesus is royalty and the long-awaited, long-prophesied Messiah who was promised to come through the line of David. We see that in Isaiah 11. We see that in Jeremiah 23. We see that in Second Samuel 7, amongst others that point to the long-awaited Messiah coming through the line of David. So the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament perfectly connects the story of Jesus to the entire Old Testament. This is one ongoing account of God's true story. They are not separate. Now, maybe a list of names isn't the most dramatic way, right, to begin. uh, 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 It's not the most dramatic of beginnings, but it's also a wonderful and inspired way for Matthew to begin his gospel. He lists 46 people that span over 2,000 years and directly connects Jesus Christ to the ongoing work of God all throughout the Old Testament. All throughout the 400 years of waiting that occurs between the Old Testament and the New Testament was now over. You see, he, he, he doesn't bury the lead at all. He tells us from the very get-go what Matthew is all about. It is first and foremost about Jesus the Messiah. Jesus, the one who came to save, came to rescue, the one who the Old Testament is pointing to, he is now here. And this is what it is about. And then as if to award the readers patience, when you get to the end of the list of names, it says this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And then you read, you want a drama, there's your drama right there. How Jesus actually came into this world. How beautiful, how profound, how awe-inspiring. Now what I love about this genealogy is that it is not perfect. It is not polished. They don't gloss over some hard truths and realities. And that's what I love about it. Because within this lineage— First of all, both men and women are named, which is very cool. Historical records don't always do that, but it makes a point to include women within the genealogy. But what else? There's bad things present. There are adulterers. There are prostitutes mentioned. There are then heroes, and there's even Gentiles, which in a Jewish frame of mind was a huge blemish on your family tree for that time. That was not a thing that you would want to show up in your family tree. And yet, It was present, and it is there. And then, oh yeah, also Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Does anybody here have like a perfect glistening family tree? Just everybody in your family is like the model of excellence. No one wants to claim that. It's pretty smart. I mean, we all have those relatives, right, that we just, we really love them but we might not brag about them, right? Can we admit that? I'm talking extended family, not immediate, okay? Distance (laughs) yourself. There's usually a couple oddballs on that tree, okay? And if you can't think of any oddballs on your tree right now, you should maybe talk to someone else in your family. It might be you. (laughs) But God loves you anyway, right? But think about this. The savior of the world had just as messed up of a family tree as you and me. I take comfort in that. That there are good people. There are oddball uncles. There are those members of the family you just kind of don't talk about. And I find a lot of comfort in that because God brings beauty out of the mess. No matter your family situation, no matter who you come from, no matter how good or bad your family life was or what your family tree looks like or what your ancestors did, your story is still being written and it can be beautiful too. Here's a couple highlights from this genealogy of Jesus. The good, the interesting, the boring, and the evil. Heroes of the faith. Abraham, Isaac, Ruth, David. Oh yeah, we learn about them in Sunday school because they are the real deal. They are the good champions of the faith until you get older and you learn that, oh, David wasn't perfect. (laughs) Right, he had some things too. He was still a hero of the faith, but there's complicated history with each of these individuals, right? Then you have Gentiles. Again, we mentioned this is a unique reality within this family tree, but it's beautiful that it's listed because Rahab, Tamar, Ruth, to name three we're Gentiles. And this is the very first instance in which Matthew is showing, hey, listen, our Jewish Christians, Jesus didn't come just for you. He came for the entire world. Look even in his family tree. I'm including them in this genealogy. I could keep them off, but I'm not. I'm including them because I came for the whole world. So it is of note that he does that. You have ordinary people. Does anyone know anything about Hezron, Ram, Nation, Achim? not much, right? You no know their names, pretty cool names. I'm just like to assume they're pretty ordinary people. Maybe they were faithful, maybe they were terrible, or maybe they just kind of had a good average life. And yet they're listed in the lineage of Jesus. How cool is that? But then you get to Manasseh. Oh boy. If you haven't read about him, I encourage you to go to 2nd Chronicles 33, okay? That is something else. He was an idolater. He turned people against God. He practiced every conceivable evil. He devoted himself to witchcraft. He was a murderer. He sacrificed his sons to a pagan god. And here he is listed in the line of Jesus. You have Abijah as well. He committed all the sins his father had done before him, is what the word tells us. And any of you know, you study family trees long enough, there is this reality of these generational sins, these things that unfortunately are handed down. You've heard the phrase, sins of our fathers, right? And then we end up doing the same thing we didn't want to do. And sadly, that's something that's far too common in our family trees. And yet, it's all present in Jesus's line. It's all present in God's design for how he was going to bring about rescuing the entire world for those who long to be free and call him Lord and Savior. So there is comfort that all this is present. And even beyond just the comfort, it's a proof of the truth of God and of Jesus Christ. Think about it. If you are writing a story, if you are creating a story out of your mind and your creativity in thin air, like some suggest the Bible is, which it's not, but some suggest it is, wouldn't you want the Savior of the world to come from the most pristine, the most noble, the most beautiful and and perfect family tree? It would only make sense that your hero stood far and above the rest. The amazing thing about our true faith is that Jesus Christ does stand high and far above the rest— And yet he came through broken family systems. But he's the savior of the world. He is sinless. He is perfect. By coming through all of that. It's amazing. So there's a comfort that it's a proof of the truth of Jesus. Specifically, what is comforting about this? Well, human failures and sin cannot limit or block God's work in history. God will accomplish what God seeks to accomplish. He works through remarkable and ordinary people alike. To get to Jesus, God worked through the Abrahams. He worked through the Hezrons. He worked through the Davids, and he worked through the Rams. He even worked somehow through the Manassas and the Abijahs. God used imperfect people in Jesus' family a tree to accomplish God's perfect purposes. We look at this list of names. It gives us this 1,000-mile view, high view of the human story, of the brokenness and sin of the world, and God bringing about beauty and hope and reconciliation and redemption through it all. And consider for a moment, consider yourself, Matthew 1, 1 through 17, that is a part of your family tree. What do we know? We know that if we call on Christ and we acknowledge him as our Lord and Savior, he gives us a new heart, a new start, a new identity. We have been adopted into his family, into the most high and whole, holy royal family in the entire universe. The one who created it all sees you and says, You are my son. You are my daughter. When we gave him our heart, he said, Welcome home. We know our lives on this earth are just a blink. Blink with me, blink in unison. Do it exaggerated so I can see you blinking. That's it. That's our life here on earth. Just a blink. Over and done with like that. Compared to our eternal and forever lives. Our lives here on this earth are just a blink. Meaning, if your family life and your home situation and who you come from and what your entire family, earthly family experience has been, if it was good, what a blessing to have those special moments even though they are so brief. And what else does it say? If your experience and your, your family life and all of that was not so good, not at all what you longed for it to be, filled with pain, filled with hurt, filled with anguish and betrayal and all of that, then what a gift and what a grace that we have a new family and a place to belong, to heal, and to restore our hope and to belong forever and ever and ever, well beyond the blink. The earthly heritage that we receive is not at all as important as the legacy that we will leave. You are not the sum total of your failures if you have given your life to Christ because he has given you a new identity. You have a new identity in Christ. He will wipe you clean and he will say, join my family. Welcome home. Because when God called you his daughter or his son, you were given your citizenship of heaven. The earth is not our true home because we belong to heaven and the king of the heavens and the earth. Jesus came miraculously into this broken world through a beautiful and broken family and he blessed the world forever and ever. And the legacy he gave you is to continue that very work that he begun. Just like this genealogy, you belong to God's family. You have a name written in history, grounded in God's true story. You have a role to play in his overarching and connected plan of redemption and restoration. Though life may be full of good, bad, bad, ugly, the oddball. God is actively at work to bring beauty out of all of it. And so surely, as his beloved daughter, as his beloved son, he will work in and through you until you return home. So what legacy is God longing for you to leave, to pull out of you, for your legacy to leave here on earth? He is calling you to serve him with a heart that loves as he loves. He is calling you to leave a legacy as a child of the one true king, where we live not as perfect individuals, but as individuals who point to the perfect one. May we all seek to live a life that points to him, Jesus Christ, the head of our family, the one who reigns supreme. He is the Messiah. He is the son of David. He is the son of Abraham. And he is your Lord and Savior. So praise be to him. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this family that you invite us to join, invite us to be a part of. God, we believe the work that you accomplished on the cross and with the empty tomb points directly to your power over all. For you are the creator God of the universe and everything in it. You reign over all and you hold all things together. And when sin entered this world, you said, I will make a way back to me. We praise you for that truth, Lord. We praise you for the depth of your love that gives us a place in your family. God, we do pray that we may find our hope in you, that we may ground our identity in you, and that we may not get caught up in our earthly citizenship, but focus solely on our heavenly citizenship as we seek to serve you and leave a legacy of love that points back to you. So God, we join our voices, we join our hearts with the angels in heaven that are singing your good news over and over and over. Holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We praise you for that truth, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.